Hello, this is Richard Maidley, the author of The Night Book and co-host of the Richard and Judy Book Club. And you're listening to the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast with Paul Teague. Welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary. This is for podcast number 19, and it will be first broadcast on Monday, the 11th of July, 2016. Mixed news this week, some writing news, some editing news, and some technical news. First of all, I've started my new book, and I can't believe that this has actually happened, because having written 93,000 words of Don't Tell Meg, I knew it was going to be quite a fast turnaround to then hit the ground running and start writing my next book straight away. But as of recording this, about an hour ago, I finished writing 10,000 words of my new book. Last week, I told you it was going to be called Swipe Right. I'm still going to use that title for another book, but after agonising for a couple of days, it's not right for the second book in the Don't Tell Meg series, using the same characters. I spend an awful lot of time during these light summer mornings in the UK, mulling ideas over in my head and trying to figure out plots and things like that. And Swipe Right just wasn't working for the characters that I'm bringing forward from Don't Tell Meg. And so I was stuck and thinking, oh, crikey, I'm not going to hit Thursday and be able to start writing. But I got the story. I think it came to me about Tuesday or Wednesday. And I managed to put all the plot points down and I've started writing straight away. So I did 5,000 on Thursday, 5,000 on Friday. I've hit my 10,000 for this week. The new title of the book is going to be called The Murder Place. It's not exactly what I wanted to call it, but all the other titles that I wanted were gone. I played around with all sorts of versions of that. I think it was something like The Murder House, The Killing Place, all sorts of titles, and they were all gone already on Amazon. So I settled on The Murder Place, which is fine. It's just not my first choice of title. And it's a working title, of course. As you write a book, I guess things change and a new title may emerge. But the working title is the murder place. And to be honest with you, Don't Tell Meg is still the working title of book one. I think I've settled with it now. I do like it. But if somebody came along and suggested something better to me, then I'd, I'd change it. It's called then The Murder Place. It picks up six months after Don't Tell Meg. I've had great fun this week. I, I plotted something called The Novel Factory. And you'll hear an interview on that. If you look at the previous episodes of the podcast, you'll see my interview with the creator of that software. But I love the Novel Factory because I put all of my characters in there and I find photographs of film stars and just photographs on the net so that I can imagine what the characters look like. It's, I love it when they all come to life and you can see the cast of your book. And I've brought a couple of characters forwards in this book. I killed quite a lot of them off in the last book. So I've had to create new characters. I've had to repopulate my story. And I, I just love doing that. I love coming up with the characters. And we're all good to go. We've got some great characters. Very happy with the storyline. As soon as I came up with the story and I thought, yeah, that's the one. That's the one for these characters. This moves it forward beautifully. Different story, but many similar characters. And I wanted it to be standalone. I wanted you to be able to read this book standalone. It would make you want to read the book before it. And and really, they should be read in order. But I didn't want it to have any kind of a, a cliffhanger that precluded you from enjoying or the next book or meant that you had to read the first book. I was quite keen to do that after writing already two science fiction trilogies. I'm aiming for end of August completion. I've got it all plotted out. I should be able to do it, but I'm still, the jury's still out on it because I don't know what other work I'm going to have to do over the next two months. But if I can still hit my schedule, nothing interrupts that. I should get draft one of book two done 
by the end of August. And again, as long as I don't have any plotting difficulties. These books aren't even going to see the light of day until after Christmas. These are going to go to some agents. I've, I've got agents booked in for the York Festival of Writing. It's a great event, by the way. If you haven't been to that before, please do check out the York Festival of Writing. Just do a search for that in Google and you'll find it. And in actual fact, I've listed it on a lot of the podcast pages because it's one of my recommended events. Um, if you haven't been to that, do go to it. I'm going to that and I'm going to run it by some agents, get some feedback. And I've also got a list on my board of, I think it's six publishers who take the kind of stuff that I'm writing and I'm going to send it to them first. Now, I'm not going to hang around forever with this for publishers and agents. I'm going to have a three-month three window sending it to people, seeing what reactions and feedback I get. Then if I had no bites, it's going in January, February. It'll be published, all three of them, all at once on, on Amazon. And I'll start to promote them then. So that's the murder place. Uh, I haven't been doing so well with Don't Tell Meg edits. I, I, I really don't enjoy editing. I, if I could write the books, have the ideas, and then give them to somebody and say, take care of it, I would. Just tell me what I need to do, but you take care of it. I, that's what I wish I could do with the edits. I find the editing process so uncreative. Yet so many people I hear, so many writers say, oh, I hate the first draft. I really struggled with the first draft. I, I really don't struggle with that. I, obviously, occasionally I get caught in a plotting problem and I get myself tied in a knot. I think that's just par for the course. But I love the first draft. I love the process of creation and the imagination that goes into the first draft. But I hate picking over the thing. I really don't enjoy that at all. It feels so uncreative to me. Yet I know other authors find it a really creative part of the process. I think that might be because I, I think I do write quite accurately. And I'm sure... It was interesting talking to Richard Madeley about this because he's also a former journalist. I'm sure it must be to do with having been a journalist and having, for so many years of my life, having to write really fast material that was going to get read on the radio or was going to go live on a BBC website. There's not a lot of margin for error there. You have to get it out. There's no procrastination and you're always on deadlines. And I can only assume it's that, that I don't have problems with the actual writing. And I went through, I have gone through a first round of editing. My wife's finished the book. She she loves it. She wants more. So I'm very happy with that. Now, I, I, I always, uh, my wife knows this. I've always guarded about my wife's feedback because in terms of humor and things, you, you kind of expect her to get on okay with it. So it hasn't been to anybody external yet. That I, I need some feedback from external readers because that will give me a better view of it, a more rounded view. But the, the feedback from my wife is, is you know, she likes it. She was on tenterhooks right till the end. She likes all the twists and all of that, which is great. So uh, I was running my wife's edits. And my wife does um, basic structural stuff. Like um, I think at one point I'd left a phone somewhere. And, and then later on I'd said something where the phone couldn't have been there. And it, all it was is just me laying a trail. Uh, earlier in the book, it was me laying a trail. Actually, I didn't need it. So it's as, as quick as erasing a couple of lines and it's gone. So she picks up on stuff like that. She picks up on, you know, weird spellings and all the basic stuff, sentences that don't make sense, uh, stuff that she doesn't understand. She picks up on all of that. So I've run through those edits. I did get those done. And so at the weekend, I've, I've, I've budgeted over the next week. I think it's four days over the next week to read the thing through with a fine tooth comb, to really go through it carefully and to make any of the, the, the structural changes that I need to. And also I go back and seed stuff as well. So I know the basic structure of the book when I'm writing it, but often 
when I reread the book, I think, oh, I could just drop a little comment in there and that seeds something that comes up later on. So I do retrospectively seed things that happen later on. And actually, while I'm writing book two, I've started writing book two, something occurred to me today when I was writing where I was thinking, Do you know what? I'll just seed that in book one. It just needs to be a sentence, just a little comment, and then that seeds that later. People will look back at that, the perceptive reader will look back at that and say, Oh yeah, I saw that coming or that was coming um earlier on in the books. I need to get on with it. <laughs> I have scheduled the time. It will get done, honestly. But if I procrastinate, there's any part of my writing where I procrastinate and delay and put things off, it's the editing process. That's my Achilles heel with all of this. I want to talk to you now about Richard Maidley. I've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. It was great fun. I really enjoyed it on Tuesday. Went over to meet him at a local hotel at 10 o'clock. I went on Monday night. My wife and I went to see him talk. So he was at the hotel, staying there overnight. They did a talk for about an hour, an hour and a half. Good talk, really well attended. Really enjoyed the talk, very informative. I'd got an appointment to see Richard at 10 o'clock the next morning. Actually, as I was walking into the hotel, Richard had just been out to get some papers for Judy. So I met him at the door and said, oh, hi, I'm Paul. We're talking in five minutes time. Uh, so he nipped the papers up to Judy and he came down and we got a room and we did the interview. And I used my new Tascam DR05, which I bought off Amazon for £72. And I was thinking, well, this podcast is going very well. I'm sure this podcast is, is going to continue. I'm re- really enjoying it, really enjoying doing the interviews. So I thought it was worthwhile buying a little handheld recorder like I used to use when I was on the radio. And then when I go to the York Festival of Writing, whenever I go to writing events, I can arrange to interview some of these authors. I thought it'd be a good idea to do that. I used the the Tascam. We were sitting at a in the dining room, actually, of the hotel. It was empty because breakfast had pretty well finished. And I put it on a stand and we just sat opposite each other. And that just allowed us to chat and it caught the audio really well. You'll hear it on the interview and didn't need a lot of editing. It was fine. It was really good. So I'm very happy with my little Tascam DR05 unit. I said to you last week, I didn't know even whether I'd actually managed to get Richard in the end. I knew he was busy. And normally with celebrities, you you get squeezed in with all the rest of the press and you're lucky if you get five minutes. Well, they were great. They were really good. Uh, Jesse's publicist from Simon & Schuster and Richard, they made a full half hour for me, unrushed, Really appreciate that. It's, it's very unusual to get that amount of time. I got 20-something minutes of the interview with Richard, which was great. So I've got a really good interview with him. Uh, was very forthcoming, very happy to talk about the writing process. Lots of insights in there. Don't please be put off by the fact that he is a traditional publisher. I know this is self-publishing journeys, but my view is, is that we learn something from all publishers. And you don't let a best-selling author like that pass right under your nose without talking to them about the craft and how it all works, because many self-published authors might become traditional authors in future. And I think that we ignore what's going on beyond us and our peril. So I'm receptive to everything. I want to know about everything. Good interview. Very happy with the interview. Uh, I also um, used an old radio trick and got him to record what we call an ident, where he he says, hi, I'm Richard Maidley. You're listening to the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. He was game with that. He was game to take a nice photograph, which you'll see on the podcast page. So, um, yeah, it was good. It was a really good half hour. I got everything that I wanted from that. Do note his comments on dealing with reviews. One of the questions I said to Richard was, you must have a pretty tough skin having been on telly all these years and having so many difficult things happen in your life. You must be 
have a view on reviews and he talks about reviews. He talks about where he writes, how many drafts he creates. He's very intolerant with redrafting. And I think this is because of his journalistic background. Like me, he's used to banging it out to order, getting it out there and going on air with it. And he said nothing more than three drafts. That's That was his view of it. I don't do any more than three drafts. I get it out and it's accurate when I write it. So I, I found that very interesting because I, I've almost begun to feel guilty that I'm not doing enough drafts. I hear about all these people doing zillions of drafts and and procrastinated about their script forever. And I, I read mine and, and my wife reads it and I said, you know, it's pretty clean. It's a pretty clean draft. And um, clearly there's stuff to change and clearly there's stuff to improve, but but they're pretty clean drafts. They don't need, they're not like a, they don't need a Dr. Frankenstein on them, you know, to, to piece all bits together. They're, they're pretty clean when they come out. And and he was he was saying the same thing. So that made me feel better about my my lack of revision. I was horrified to hear that he writes his books, wait for this, he writes them directly into email. And he was telling a story at the talk where he'd lost a whole second revision of one of his books. He must write it into Outlook Express because if he wrote it into Gmail, for instance, it would, it would be backed up in the cloud. You wouldn't be able to lose it. So he must write them into Outlook Express. And he'd written the whole second draft into Outlook Express. He used to have his whole book in one email that was saved as draft. That he lost this email and no one could get it back. And I, he told this story. I thought, no, Richard. And even Judy was saying, write in Microsoft Word. Even Judy said, write in Microsoft Word. And this is how he writes his emails. And I was thinking, Richard, Dropbox, OneDrive, Microsoft, all of these things are available now. But he doesn't use them. The the um, the allowance or the difference that he's made, the change he's made, is that he now writes when he has a writing day. He puts it into one of those emails and he sends it to himself, his son and his publisher, I think. So there's an electronic version somewhere if his laptop gets pinched or something like that. But I thought, oh, Richard, I could really do with a, a technical makeover session with you. I could teach you lots of little tricks that would mean that that never, ever happened to you ever again. And it begins with Dropbox or OneDrive. It doesn't matter which one, but use one of them. So I really, I really enjoyed that talk. Anyway, it was a real, um, just a bit of excitement. Really enjoyed it, um, and and he was great to talk to. Last thing I just wanted to mention is just a quick one. I discovered this was thanks to this is why I love networking. This is why I like talking to people in the same industry as me. It's why masterminds are so important. Um, I was talking to Tim Lewis, or I was looking at Tim Lewis, and he'd used something called Clamour, C-L-A-M-M-R. He'd used something called Clamour to advertise the podcast that I was a guest on last week. And the minute I saw it, I thought, oh, I love that. That's great. And I liked it so much that I've gone through all of my back catalogue of podcasts and I've created a little promotional clip of every podcast I've done on Clamour. And from now on, every interview that I do is going to have a little Clamour clip. Now, interestingly, when I did those clips on Monday, I just knocked them out on Monday morning before I went to see a client. I had my highest number of downloads I've had uh, for the podcast the other day when I, when I put all those clips on Clamour. That hasn't continued but when I put them on Clamour, I got a lot of downloads on the podcast. It drove a lot of web traffic and it will drive you know, less web traffic, but it will drive ongoing web traffic for me. But the reason I love it is the great thing about a podcast is when you do an interview with somebody, just because it's live that week uh, doesn't mean that it's over and done with once it's been broadcast. Podcasts are there forever. And people who discovered the podcast and like it will go through the back catalogue. They'll listen to the old podcast episodes. So the podcasts are evergreen and I'm, I'm loving doing the podcast. I've done blogging on and off for years, but the podcasts work way better in terms of creating evergreen content. 
So if I take the time to make a clamor clip every week, it means that I can actually, on an ongoing basis, advertise all the evergreen content that I've got on the podcast. It's not always going to be about this week's guest, the new interviews. I want to advertise also the previous guests that I've had, and hopefully the, everybody who's on the podcast will then get a benefit from that. So podcast content is evergreen. Clamour is going to really help me to promote that and to keep that evergreen nature of the podcast going. I thought this was going to be a short diary this week, so I apologise for my little rant there about people procrastinating and not writing books. Uh, I am done now. That's this week's uh, self-publishing news from me. We're back to the normal format next week. We'll have the normal length of interview. It won't be a short one like we had with Richard this week, but I I do hope you found Richard's interview informative. And as ever, if you've got anything to say, uh, if you've got any comments about the podcast, any suggestions, any questions, I can always be contacted here at paul at paulteague.com. I'll speak to you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.